Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditors come in and take my two sons to be his slaves. This is not a good day. Say, that's a bad day. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, well, your maidservant has nothing in the house but, but a little jar of oil. No, she said a jar. She didn't say a big pot, big vessel, a little jar, a jar of oil. Then he says, now she might be thinking, wait a minute, I came here for help. I'm in debt. He wants to take my two sons to be slaves. I'm looking for help, and you're giving me instructions. I didn't want instructions. I wanted help. See, she's looking for resources. Elisha's trying to get her plugged into the source. See, a lot of people are running around looking for the resource, and what we need to do is be running to the source. You know, when, when Pastor Paul was up here, he was talking about the God being a source. Yeah, God's got to be your source. He is the provider, and he is where the resources flow from. People are not your source. God may use people to bless you, but you've got to be careful that when he uses someone to bless you, that you don't get your eyes on people, because if you get your eyes on people, then you'll stop seeking God, and you'll start seeking people. And then you'll work your way through a congregation, and I've had this in my church, probably had it here too, probably happens in every church in the world. People start working their way through a church and hitting up this one and hitting up that one. Finally, they've worked everybody, and then they work their way out of this church, and they go to another church, and they start all over. Your needs aren't going to met because of what you wait to receive. Your needs are going to be met because of how you learn to give. Amen. Amen. So she's looking for resources, but Elisha wants to plug her into the source because when you understand who the provider is, then you get the provision. Her first response was to ignore what she had. Well, I really don't have anything, just a little jar of oil. And He said in verse 3, then go borrow vessels from your neighbor, from all your neighbors, from everywhere, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. Don't cut yourself short. Don't make it easy on yourself. Gather every single vessel you can find. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then you shall pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him. I don't know how many of you would be going from him going, well, this just don't make a lick of sense. I got one container of oil. I'm going to go through the entire neighborhood. I'm going to gather everybody's vessels. I'm going to come in. I'm going to shut the door. And then I'm going to start pouring. But I got one vessel. And see, right there, most people would have never gone home and started it. Because it don't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. 
He said, well, there's not another vessel. And the oil ceased. When did the oil cease? When there was no other place for it to be poured into. She still has what she started with. But now she's got all these other vessels that are full. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. He said, well, there's not another one. Oil cease. Then she came and told the man of God. After she did it, she goes, okay, now what? He just told her what to do. He didn't tell her what to do afterwards. So after it's done, she's got a house full of pots and jars and vessels and everything's full of oil. Now she goes back to him. And she goes, okay, now what? He said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. In other words, he was able to, to meet the immediate need of paying the debt. So God not only took care of what had, was the result of the past, but he took care of the past, the present, and brought preparation for the future. Now, I like when God moves like that. How many of you need to see God move like that? See, where he can remove something that's an effect from the past, take care of the present, and already give you something for your future. And he did it doing something that kind of looked ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's not giving you something you know you don't have. It's pointing out what you don't recognize. What do you have? Well, I really don't have much. You can't allow past hurts, pains, disappointments, failures, discouragements to define you. You need to get a word from the Lord. Every time you come in here, Pastor Sam, whoever's preaching, whether you remember the whole message or not, but there's something in them that strikes your spirit. It comes alive in your heart and you get some direction for life and, and you don't let weeks go by and allow it to fade from your memory. You let it get planted and then you begin to walk it out and you begin to do it. Amen. Because continued delayed obedience will turn into disobedience. And God was giving you an instruction that was going to provide the miracle to bring change to your situation. But you put it off. And the longer you put it off, you'll get into the reasonings of your mind and try to figure it out. And your head cannot figure out what God's telling you to do. Because some of it just won't make sense. A very, very dear friend of mine in our church gave me a present for Father's Day one day. And I wear it all the time. And it's, it's a coin. It's a silver shekel. This coin is 2,000 years old. It is the coin from the temple period of when Jesus was around. It's a really cool coin. And uh, when Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, our taxes are due. He said, well, go Go fishing. And the first fish you catch, open up his mouth, take out the coin, and go pay our taxes. The only coin that paid temple taxes was one of these. Now, I'm not telling you this is the coin Peter pulled out of his mouth. That would be, that would be a bit ridiculous. But it was one exactly like this. So every, every, when, I put, when the brother gave it to me, he said, Pastor, can I ask you two questions? Sure. Will you wear it? Are you kidding me? Oh, that's cool. Number two, will you please not give it away? I said, definitely. So don't ask for it. It ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so every time I put that on, I realize no matter what, 
If Peter can go fishing, open up the mouth of a fish and pull out a coin and take care of his taxes, if Peter can do that for his needs to be met, God's got me covered. Amen. Amen. Now, if Peter did that, opened up the fish, pulled out his mouth, and another brother's over there fishing, he's going... He could fish all day long, try to get his taxes paid, but it wouldn't work. Why? Because he didn't have a word from the Lord to go do that. I'm going to go fishing and look. Well, go ahead. Good luck. God bless you. See, Peter had a word from the Lord. That's why you need to get a word from the Lord. You need to get a word that comes up in your spirit by the Holy Ghost. You need a direction. You need a prophetic word. Or, or you need a word right out of here. And as you obey that, it may not make sense. But there's a miracle on the other side of your obedience. Amen. Now, I believe that God has so much more for us. And I believe we need to stop cutting him short. Ephesians 3.20, in, in the New King James, it says, you know, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, dream, hope, or imagine it. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, new translation I've been reading lately. I really like it. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely, infinitely more than your greatest request. How many of you have some requests out there? Man, make them big. Don't pray small prayers. Don't pray prayers you can bring to pass. Because if you can make it happen, why are you praying? Just go do it. I mean, your prayers have to be something that without God, there's no way it can happen. Infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Well, that'll wake you up. Don't dream small. Don't pray small. Don't think small. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So much more on the inside of you and what God wants to do for you than I believe we give God credit for. We compare our supply and shortage and we look at what we have and it's the strategy of the devil to us, for us to look at it and minimize it or look at it as insignificant, especially to look at ourselves as small and insignificant and minimize who we are and what we think we can do. I mean, I, I, let me tell you, I have seen God do things with our life and there's absolutely nothing that qualifies me to do what I do from my past. I'm not one of those, those guys that grew up with this great heart for God and, you know, was, you know, grew up in the church and loved God all of his life, you know, was speaking in tongues when he was, you know, two months old and, you know, <laughs> prophesying when he was in diapers and stuff like that. You know, no, 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 man. I was a bartender strung out, drinking a quart of Southern Comfort every single day, smoking 12 to 15 joints a day in Coke and speed and hash and mescaline and acid. And I was just wiped out, messed up. I was a train wreck. But I met Jesus. Man, he turned my life around. He looked at me and said, that boy's crazy. We could use him. <laughs> Going over to the coast, had a motorcycle, had a speedometer, went to 130, buried that thing at 130 at night, so stoned. Can't even believe. It is a miracle I am alive. And I'm not even going to get into all the other things I did. And God's looking at me going, that boy's insane. We can use him in the kingdom. He'll do anything. 
But he's going to need a good woman. Yeah, we're going to give shot. He's going to need that girl. <laughs> Go to the Philippines. Don't have a clue what I'm going to do. Just I'm available. Make a long story short, 38 years later, we've been there 38 years. I've known Pastor Sam for 36 years. Yeah, 36, almost 37 years I've known Pastor Sam. I've been coming to this church for 35. I was here before you. <laughs> and her too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 10, almost 11 years out in the province, and I've been in mountains, crossing streams, rivers, and boats, and bathing in rivers, bathing in wells. And, and then God started, said, start a church, and got rebuked right here on this property, sitting over there after Freedom Crusade, sitting next to Dr. Sumrall. He said, Paul, tell me what you're doing. So I told him all about the orphanages we had, the boat we had for island evangelism, reaching 5,000 pastors around the nation um, in pastor seminars, evangelistic crusades, 75-foot boat that did island evangelism, radio ministry, uh, teaching publication that went to seven to 8,000 pastors around the Philippines and Asia. Tell them all the things that we're doing. He looked at me and said, son, you're wasting your time. <laughs> oh, man, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Summerall. God bless you. <laughs> he goes, when are you going to start a church? Now, this, this is, you know, this is, this is 15, 20 people are all having dinner together. You could heard a pin drop. When are you going to start a church? I'm thinking, oh, i got to say something. I said, well, Dr. Summerall, sir, I believe I'm doing everything God told me to do. But when he tells me to start a church, I will. He looked at me and went, huh, huh. And then he turned around. Nobody at the table looked at Dr. Summerall. Everybody put their head down. Even Sam put his head down and just started Because nobody else wanted him to look at them and say, hey, tell me what you're doing. They just saw me get roasted, barbecued, and fried. I shrunk to about two inches tall. I'm thinking, I'm done. I don't want to eat. Let me just slide off my chair and crawl out of the room. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to leave. And I'm walking out the door and I hear, Thing. I thought, oh, you mean old man, leave me alone. <laughs> Come here, son. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. I walk over there and he goes, I'm going to pray for you. So he laid hands on me and, man, the power of God hit me, knocked me up against the wall. And he says, God, if there's anything in me this young man needs, give it to him. I said, well, I'll take that. And man, I mean, the power of God just about knocked me through the wall. So I got up. I forgave him for everything else he said. <laughs> a couple years later, I'm in Manila. Lord says, start a church. I go, oh, man, I want to start a church. And Dr. Summerall's voice just echoed in my mind. <laughs> and then the Lord brought to my remembrance what I said. Oh. You see, I... I knew the other things that I was doing were, were, were working, but start a church? No, that, that ain't me. Uh, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. It, it's just, well, we 
started a Bible study with three ladies around a dining room table. Now we have a church with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. We have over 50 churches around the nation. We have 110 New Life churches all over Asia now. And I look at what God has done, and it is beyond anything that I could have dreamed. It's beyond things I never even prayed for. It's beyond things I ever asked for. And, and the Spirit of God has been speaking to us and said, son, son, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. He's getting started. You see, you can take an avocado seed, and they look really good. Nice, big, fat, healthy looking. Or a peach seed. That's a good-sized seed. Or mango seed. You know how mango's here? Yeah. That's a big seed. But a mustard seed? Small, tiny, insignificant. And so when you look at something that seems small, tiny, and insignificant, you have a tendency to minimize what's in it. So you got to be careful judging one another. You look at somebody by the outside, you think you got them figured out. You have no idea what God put it on the inside of them. And a mustard tree... It's five times bigger than a peach tree. It's five times bigger than an avocado tree. Now, avocado seed's nice and big and fat and round, and a mustard seed is so small, if you dropped it, you'd have a hard time finding it. But God was able to shrink a huge tree and put it inside that seed. So you have no idea that just because something looks small and insignificant. Let me tell you, a virgin getting pregnant Joseph and Mary going into a stable looked pretty small and insignificant, but the world was getting ready to be changed because of what was happening in a stable and in a barn. So you got to be careful what you look at that seems small and insignificant. In your own lives right now, do not minimize yourself or look at yourself as small and insignificant or something that God is asking you to say, to do, to pray, or to give. Do not minimize it because you're stopping the miracle God is wanting to bring into your life. Whatever the situation is, it's not nothing. I mean, think about when uh, David picked up a rock and wanted to go against Goliath. You got a sling and a rock. It might be small, but it's not nothing. What about when Jesus has the, the multitude there and he, he wants the disciples to feed him? He says, well, you, you, you feed them. He said, you want us to spend all this money and go feed him? He says, well, go see what you have. And they come back with a little boy's lunch. No, we should use your imagination and think when you read the Bible. So they come back and they got a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. Now this is a little boy's lunch. Okay. And, then, and this is Israel. This is not by the Gulf of Mexico where they're going to catch, you know, a 100-pound tuna. Besides that, a little boy is not going to carry a 100-pound tuna for lunch. So he's probably got two fish about this big. It's a little boy's lunch. So Jesus has five loaves and two fish. So he, they, they bring it to him. He takes it. He blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it back to the disciples. The multiplication doesn't come when it's released from Jesus' hand. The multiplication comes when it's released from the hands of the disciples. Now, when you take two fish, they're about this big, you're going to break that fish into six pieces. How big a piece does each disciple get? I mean, 
Maybe not even that big. So I'll pick on Peter. So they get a basket, they get a piece of bread maybe this big, and a piece of fish this big. Peter's got a thousand people in front of him because it says there's 5,000 men. If there's 5,000 men in the meeting, how many women are there? 10 or 15? How many kids are there? So Peter's got at least, in his section, he's got at least, you know, because they were told to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. So his whole group, he's probably at least got a thousand people. He reaches his basket and what does he pull out? And you can hear him yell at John, oh, bro, man, I got the head. <laughs> ah, real, Lord, really? really and, and you want me? I'm going to feed all of you with a bluegill head. <laughs> oh, come on. How come I didn't get center cut? And John goes, what are you complaining about? I got the tail. What am I going to do with the tail? And Jesus says, go on. Go feed him. (laughs) Really. But they did. And it was in the action of the giving out. You see, the multiplication is not sitting there waiting to receive. The multiplication begins in the pouring out. In the giving out. Amen. See, we've already had two offerings this morning. One was finances. The other was worship. You had two, two opportunities to pour out. And God receives both, weighs both, doesn't just count both, but he weighs both, and then he multiplies it back to you. So can you imagine being Peter and getting a fish head and say, hey, go feed those thousand people. Here's a widow. She's got a jar of oil. She pours it in there. He tells her what to do. Now, even when they fed the... Uh, The multitude, it says they came back with 12 baskets of leftovers. How do you end up with more than what you started with? See, only God can do that. Why do we have these stories? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God who does not change. If he did it, then he'll do it in your life. If he did it here, he'll do it in Shreveport. He will take what looks ridiculous. He will take, he will looks, he will take what you look to minimize or seem insignificant because you know it's God, it's all God, it's got nothing to do with you. He goes beyond reason, he goes beyond natural understanding. Just remember, Mary was a virgin. She had a conversation and got pregnant. That ain't ever going to happen again. When she asked the, de- asked, asked the angel, how can this be? She says, well, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. You know, I looked up the Greek word nothing. You know what it means? Nothing. No circumstance, no situation is impossible with God. Anything can be changed with him. So I don't know what's in your head. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your family, your sons, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your job, or whatever's going on, but nothing falls under that category. Nothing is impossible with him. Come in, shut the door. Why do you shut the door? Because you have to block out the distractions, the double-mindedness, and the doubt, and the opinions of other people. It's not something you do on your patio in front of everybody else. You don't need everybody else's opinion coming in and say, girl, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to pour from this one into that one, and then that one. Well, that don't make a lick of sense because, first of all, what you're starting with ain't as big as the one you're going to pour it into, and since it's already smaller than the first one, what are you doing all these empty pots? 
Then you try to explain it. Now you have to deal with their opinions, their ridicule. They're telling you, are you nuts? What kind of church do you go to anyway? I tell you, I wouldn't go to that church. Well, the man of God, a man of God told you to take one little container of oil and, and that, that's just stupid. That ain't going to work. Give me my pot back. Well, that's the dumbest thing. Go in, close the door, shut off the distraction, the opinions, and everything else. When you, Mark chapter 6 says, when you go and pray, go in secret, shut the door. Shut. Some of you need to shut the door. That means shut the door, turn off the TV, turn off everything else, shut the door and hear, shut the door and obey, shut the door and pray, shut the door and pour, but shut the door. Some of you got to shut the door because you got things coming into your head, you got opinions and everything else that will try to divert and dilute what God said. Get you into the reasonings of your mind. The reasoning of your mind has got nothing to do with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Because if you begin to lean here, you won't pour here. You begin to lean to this, you won't give. You begin to lean to this, you won't pray. Well, you know, I, I know I need to pray. My son, my daughter, my husband, this, but that. But, you know, I was kind of mad the other day. And, and, and the enemy will give you all kinds of reasons why God is not going to listen to you. Of course, God's going to listen to you. Yeah, but I haven't been too good. Well, God don't listen to you because you're so good. God listened to you because the, the blood of Jesus has washed you and cleansed you, and his mercy is new and fresh every single day. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy and compassion does not fail. Yeah, well, but you know, I really don't deserve this. Let me help you out. You're right. You don't. What you get ain't based on what you deserve. Your salvation is not based on what you deserve. Your righteousness is not based on what you deserve. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. It was a gift. While you were still a sinner, he loved you. So you think now that you're a believer, well, you know, I, I don't really deserve this. That's, that's what's wrong with some people. They think they do. And they're waiting to get something based on what they deserve instead of trusting in the mercies of God and having faith in what is word. It's not going to come because you're so good. It's going to come because he's good and you trust him and you believe him. Oh, somebody say amen. amen. Don't block the door to your blessing. Shut the door on the drama and people's opinions, their approval or their agreement. You don't need it. What you need is a prophetic word. What you need is a written word. What you need is the leading of the Spirit. And that will take you to where you want to go. Go to your neighbors. You may need something from them, some containers. Pour the oil in a jar. Set it aside. There won't be any more oil until she started pouring. It's good for God to fill you up. But it's better for God to pour you out. And some of your situations, sometimes you have to pour your way out of it instead of sitting around waiting to be poured into. See, we don't get dry just because we didn't receive. We get dry because we stopped pouring. Sometimes even those you poured into, they walk away. But if the enemy can keep you from pouring out, get you to draw back, Get you to quit talking, quit loving, quit loving, quit giving. 
you'll dry up. Why? Not just because you're not receiving, you quit pouring. Pouring is the key. Loving is the key. Believing is the key. Obeying is the key. What you minimize, you won't pour. What you minimize, you won't give. What you minimize, you won't pray. What you minimize, you won't speak. What you consider insignificant, you won't touch. You will stifle and increase the miracle that God intends for you. You get focused on weakness or smallness, and you miss the power of his greatness. Increase came from pouring out, not waiting to be poured into. Favorite song of the devil is never enough. Never enough. I'm not going to sing that song. Why do I best, why do I bother when I give my best and nobody appreciates me? Well, who are you pouring for? Whatever you do in word or deed, you do it as unto the Lord. Yes, some people may not appreciate you. But what happens when you get behind closed doors? Well, you pour into one vessel, then another vessel, then another vessel. God wants you to begin to pour. Some of you need some change in your life. And you've drawn back hurts, pains, disappointments, maybe some betrayal, and, and you stop pouring. Do not allow how other people have treated you to cause you to draw back from the leading of God's word and God's spirit where you can pour your way into freedom and abundance and a whole new season in your life. Mark chapter 8, Jesus walked into a town and they brought a blind man out to him. And begged him to touch him. But Jesus took him out of town. Sometimes for you get a mir- get a miracle, you may have to get out of a place that is hindering what you need. Because when he took him out, he laid hands on him, prayed for him. He says, what do you see? He said, I see men walking like trees. Let me ask you a question. How does a blind man know what a tree looks like? That's a good thought, isn't it? So what does that tell us? He wasn't born blind. He lost his sight along the way because he knew what a tree looked like. So what did Jesus do? He said he laid his hands on him again. How, you know that Jesus is a do-it-again God. Yeah. Because he doesn't want you walking with vision a blurred vision of something that you used to see. He wants you to have clarity for where you're going in the future. He doesn't want you living according to some blurry past. So he laid hands on him again, and he could see perfectly. But then he told him, don't go back there. Do not go back into that town. Jesus will pull you out of a place, speak into your life, and this has got nothing to do my, with my message, but I just felt led to, to share this with somebody here today. There's some relationships or there's some things you're surrounded by, and it's caused you to lose sight of who you really are and what God has for you. You don't need to have a loss of vision, loss of purpose, and you don't just need a fuzzy remembrance of what you used to be able to see. You need clarity for what he has for your future because there's so much more. 
He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond, so much more. And he wants to speak a word into your life, and it may seem small, and it may seem insignificant. Say, hey, listen, go, I want you to do this. I want you to pray over this person. No, Lord, I don't want to pray over that person. I'd rather slap them. No, you, you pray over them. You pour. Yeah, I like to pour. I like to pour some good, hot, no, no, no. I want you to pray. I want you to give. You're in church next Sunday, and Pastor Paul's up there, and he's talking about tithes and offerings. You look in your wallet, and, yeah, but Lord, it ain't much. I don't care. Put the seed in there. You're out this week in a grocery store, and you, you see somebody, and your heart gets stirred. And the Lord says, see that single mom over there? Go give her 20 bucks. Yeah. And they're walking around with two barefoot kids, and you, you know, you can just tell. I mean, some things you can get by the Spirit, some things just open your eyes. Yeah, yeah well, I, I need a word from heaven. You know, let me, let me tell you something. You don't need a word from heaven. You don't need Gabriel showing up if you just want to bless somebody. If you think the only giving you're ever going to do is putting in an envelope in church, boy, you are limiting the blessings of God that he wants to bring in your life. Living, giving needs to be a joy where you have fun with it. Next time you're out to eat, shock your waitress. If you're just by yourself somewhere having breakfast and, and uh, you have coffee and I don't know, you know, get into the South, you know, biscuits and gravy or some chicken fried steak and, or some eggs and sausage and grits and, and it's just good food in the South for breakfast, I'm telling you. It'll kill you with calories, but it tastes good. And you get your bill, and it's so much. What if you gave your waitress a tip that was bigger than your bill? When's the last time you shocked somebody? How many of you want to be shocked by blessing? Start having fun. Start having fun with giving. Start having fun with just walking up to people and saying, hey, how are you doing today? And being happy with people. And then when you walk away, their friend goes, who is that? I have no idea. <laughs> Get some joy back into your life. Take something that seems so small and insignificant and let's just begin to live it out. It's how we bring change into our community. It's how we bring change into our world. And allow God to take what you pour and multiply it. Never minimize who you are, what you have, what you can say, your touch, how you can give. Never allow the devil to bring in insignificance to you or any leading that he gives you because it's in the pouring where the multiplication comes. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.